Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today on the pod, I'm very excited to introduce my friend. Today, I'm talking to a skater who was an amazing talent, um, super promising. I grew up competing with her at every competition when we were younger. She was the intermediate national champion in 2009 on the novice ladies podium in 2010 and the junior ladies podium in 2011 represented Team USA for a little bit, and then later switched to represent Israel, she is Katerina Kolgeko. Hey, Katya. (laughs) Hello, hello, I'm so excited. Oh yeah, Uh, for everyone listening, Katya is definitely one of my closest friends from my skating days, which is really cool because we're both retired now and we still connect and hang out with each other. So it's definitely one of those long lasting friendships. Um, that's kind of rare for skating. I honestly feel like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Rare. And I wish there was just more of that going on, not just in skating, but in athletics in general. Um, we just have like such a healthy, not only friendship, but kind of like a, a healthy competitive relationship as well, where, even if at one competition you would beat me or I would beat you, or maybe we both had really bad skates or really good skates, like none of us would really care. At the end of the day, we would still hang out and I don't know, just do fun things. Cause that's at the end, that's all that really mattered was having fun. Exactly. It was never, there was never any jealousy in either of our successes. We were always happy for each other. Wow. And then once the competition was over, we were running around crazy I mean I was the crazy one running around and Katya was just like oh god (laughs) yeah I I'd say I say I was like the buffer of the relationship I was like the the ying and you were the yang or the other way around (laughs) um but then I think the the older that we've gotten it kind of switched uh at a certain period I think you were a little bit more out there than me and then finally we kind of hit like a equilibrium (laughs) totally totally it's it's been really awesome growing together But yeah, so you're from San Diego and you trained all over Los Angeles as a kid. So describe your experience growing up as a skater in LA and traveling the train from San Diego. Right. So I started skating in San Diego. That's where I was born. That's my hometown. Um, Represent sunny San Diego. And probably when I was around nine or 10, um, I, my parents really wanted to broaden my horizons and just have me experience more, uh, what could I say, like more diversity, more, more exposure to the, the actual competitiveness of figure skating. So my parents would at first drive me out on weekends to Orange County, skating around the Anaheim area. And then it slowly progressed to 
uh, driving out maybe two or three times a week. But I always stayed in San Diego. That was always my home and we lived there. And that was like my home rank where I would train on my own or have a coach kind of look after me. And then we would do the drive up and spend the whole day or maybe even spend the night and have two days in a row up in Orange County or LA. Um, so it was definitely kind of like a holiday and like a special a special day for me whenever I would go up to Orange County or LA because it was a chance for me to skate around other awesome athletes and you know see things that I wouldn't see in San Diego. But I would always come back to San Diego. It always kind of kept me humbled and I I love the coaches down here and I love all my friends down here. But it was definitely something that I just didn't have, like I didn't have the resources, kind of like how you didn't really have much in, in San Jose. I think that's something that we could definitely relate to the both of us. Cause you were from San Jose, you were kind of like the only one to really go nationally and internationally um, at the time. And then same with me being a San Diego local. So I think maybe that's kind of how our friendship started. And is that like, we both came from towns that skating wasn't as developed as they are in other cities. Yeah. Did you enjoy going to different rinks and feeling that adrenaline rush? Cause that was always for me, whenever I would leave San Jose and go train somewhere else, it was getting to practice with nerves and wanting to impress whoever I was on the ice with or whatever. So it was always giving me that extra adrenaline. Did you feel that as well? Oh yeah, of course. It was, <laughs> like I said, it was just like such an exciting time. Just prepping in the car for an hour and a half mentally like okay I'm gonna get to the rink I'm gonna do this and this and at the end of the day feeling really accomplished and and you know trekking the long journey back an hour and a half back to my hometown but then it also became a little bit emotionally draining because you would have this high you know for a couple days of the week and then you come back to your home rink where it's not the same and at a young age you, you really have to learn how to balance that out whereas you know, you work really hard up in Orange County and then you come down to San Diego and you still have to work really hard. And that was something that I had to get used to. Um, How did you manage really it? Particularly easy. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I had bad days for sure. There were days when I was super unmotivated. I didn't really want to run that extra program or you know, skate that extra session because there weren't people around me to impress and all that. And I'd say that a big factor was definitely my mom. My mom reminded me that ice is ice, no matter where you go, you know, it could be harder ice, softer ice, or people can be around you or you can be on private ice. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all the same thing and you have the same goal. So no matter where you are, you're going to have to work hard. And I didn't like that idea as a kid. Like I was what, 10, 12, 11. I think only when I became maybe 15, 16, did I become more self-efficient and kind of just understanding that I'm the one who's doing this, right? Like my mom and dad can only push me so hard. Like my coaches could only push me so hard. At the end of the day, I have to want to do it. So it definitely taught me a lot, uh, a lot of like self-motivation, a lot of discipline for sure. Mm -hmm. And a very great sentiment that your mom was giving you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you were on top as a young skater and people were predicting a very bright future for you in skating. What was the commitment and motivation and expectations like for you and your family at that time? Ooh. Um, 
Well, to put it very bluntly, I did not come from a well-off family. My parents are immigrants and they did sacrifice a lot for myself and for my brother to be involved in sports and not only that, but to succeed in sports. And it took a lot. I always knew that I had not only pressure on myself that I would give you know, myself as an athlete, but I also felt like, a, like I owed my parents something to try extra hard or to place even better at a competition um, that wasn't directly ever said to me, like, you have to do this because we sacrificed so much, but I always knew. So in a way, it was, it was pretty stressful because my parent, I knew that my parents had put in so much. But at the same time, it was exciting. Like when you're a promising skater and you have all these people talking about you, I mean, you know how it goes, right? Like you have something to work harder for and you have something to look forward to and you have like all these opportunities in front of you. So in a way, I had a lot of pressure internally and kind of externally, but at the same time, externally and internally, I had a lot of motivation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Let's talk about puberty for a second. (laughs) What was, what was that experience like for you, especially because you were winning so many competitions um, when you were Mm -hmm. younger? Mm -hmm. Oh man. I feel like only when I turned 15, uh, did I really start to notice a change and it wasn't so much that I cared how I looked physically. I I didn't care about that. It was more of, okay, I feel heavier. My joints are hurting more. I'm getting more injuries. I can't finish my program. Everything is harder. Like that, that was the first thing that I noticed. And that was after I had meddled at junior, the at national. So when I got third at junior, it was like, wow, like she's the next best thing, I guess, coming up. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then puberty hits. And you know what? That's just a part of life. And that's something that you have to face no matter what. There's no running away from it. Um, the only way is through with puberty, right? You mm-hmm. have to work with with what you got. And I had to do that the hard way. But you know what? <laughs> like I, I'm here now and it, everyone goes through it. So it's definitely tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, but it's it's something that makes you stronger mentally and ultimately it makes you a better athlete by knowing how to manage it it definitely does would you say the toll mentally was more challenging than the physical like just like day-to-day training of being a little bit heavier like not being able to finish your program or was it oh yeah yeah no yeah definitely the frustration was just through the roof (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I mean not only are our coaches and and, and my parents confused and, and frustrated in their own way as well. But I'm frustrated because like one day I could do a triple, triple three times in a row. And then I hit puberty and I'm either falling or popping or things feel off or weird. And it was something that you can't really fix overnight at all. Mm-hmm. So mentally, it's just this chaos. Like you think, oh my God, what's happening? Um, so yeah, it definitely messed with me a little bit, but it didn't really discourage me from continuing to skate. Like I always, no matter what, 
wanted to to fight my way through, like I said before. Yeah, which is awesome because I know it can be really discouraging for a lot of skaters. Yeah, yeah. And I try to I try to preach that for my students um, that I coached and coach because they're either preteens or they're teens and and they struggle with it and, and it happens and I think a really important thing is to acknowledge it and to be understanding instead of um, let's just say it, instead of being discouraging or trying to like ignore the fact that they're going through something, you know, like in denial, like that's not going to help anyone. So I definitely try to remember what it was like for me, for my students and to help them get through it. That's awesome. That's really the sentiment of let's work through this. Let's work together with this rather than let's try to go around or avoid, or like Mm -hmm. you said, brush it under the rug and ignore, like that doesn't work. And if you don't have a supportive team around you that is being positive around it and helping you with it. We're just going to have a lot of kids that are struggling alone, taking way too much of a mental toll on them. And that's something that we can help. We don't need to do it that way. (laughs) Right. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, you decided to switch to represent Israel afterwards. So what was the reasoning for switching countries and what was the initial process like from going from Team USA to Israel? Mm-hmm. Right. So I was Team USA, I want to say when I was 15 years old, I think I did, I might have done two international, two or three international competitions. One of them was a junior Grand Prix. And then after that was when I had a very bad concussion, very random, and that knocked me out for a season. From skating? <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, yeah, <laughs> from, from, from skating. And then I you know, I grew and my body changed and I just couldn't really get back into the flow of things. So I wasn't able to represent Team USA internationally after that. Um, However, I did do the qualifying season for a couple years afterwards, uh, like regionals and sectionals. And then it was 2014 sectionals where I was the alternate for nationals. So I got fifth um, and that was kind of the turning point for me where I have, I, I always knew I had an opportunity to skate for Israel because my mom's side of the family has Jewish roots and that made me automatically eligible. And at the time I was working with a coach who also had students skating for the country. So we kind of did have connections to go that route. And bottom line was I wanted to have more opportunities to get myself out there and to compete internationally and to to travel and to ultimately you know try to make it to the world stage maybe the olympic stage and i mean it it is what it is and a lot of people do that they they switch over to countries um i would say the process was relatively smooth just because i wasn't in any team usa envelope at the time i was just kind of part of san diego figure skating club and um the rest of the process was mainly getting my passport done, like doing paperwork for the Israeli side. But as Mm -hmm. far as transitioning from the USFS back to uh, the Israel Federation, that I wouldn't say that that was particularly like a very difficult process for me. Gotcha. And how long did you compete for Israel internationally? 
um, from 2015 to about 2017. So I'd say two seasons. Cool. And how was uh, the experience for you just being able to go and travel and compete? Like, did you feel like it was worth it for you to switch over from USA, like just to go international and add so much more to your sports resume? Yeah, of course. I mean, even if I had a good competition or a bad competition, I, if I did a personal best or if I did kind of okay, it didn't matter. It, what mattered was that I was getting out there and exposing myself where I always knew that when I stopped skating, I would have something to not like show off, but I could have something kind of like to brag about, you know, like I went here and I competed with this people these these people these skaters and I went here and then I went to this country and I went to this country and I tried my best like given my circumstances I still did the best that I could and that's something that I am really grateful for even in the world outside of right now like applying to schools or applying to jobs it's always a great aspect um, to, to bring up because it it definitely shows off that you're exposed to different cultures and you're exposed to different experiences. You can kind of handle stress differently. So that's how I see it. Yeah. It, it's amazing just because when you think about the percentage of athletes in the entire world who get to represent a country and travel internationally, mm-hmm. that pool is pretty small. So the yeah. fact that you're able to do it is a huge accomplishment. And um, yeah, it, it says a lot about, like you were saying, to say that you've traveled and you're exposed to different cultures and you're, you know, learning from all these experiences mm-hmm. that comes from crazy amount of hard work throughout your childhood that even got you to that point, which is even cooler. <laughs> right. Right. And it's not like it was a handout, you know, that's a, a big misconception that people have is that when you're competing internationally, even if you represent a different country, bottom line is everybody that's there at that international event is talented and works really hard. Like no one, no one has a handout for getting at that level. When you're a senior skater, it takes a lot. And some people have it, you know, easier or better than others. But at the end of the day, it all takes a lot of work. So just being like part of that international skater pool, I guess was, was really cool now that I look back at it. Yeah. It's super special. So you went through some health issues at the end of your career. Yeah, you could share what you want to share on that front. Yes, yes, of course. I'm very, I'm very open about this kind of stuff because uh, maybe someone else is going through it, and by just talking about it, maybe um, they can have their vision be broadened on the topic. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I was 19, actually no, I'd say back when I was probably. 16, I started to notice that every month I had very, very painful menstrual cycles. And this was just something that I learned to accept. And everyone, including myself, would just brush it under the rug and be like, it's okay, you're fine. It's just how it is. You know, you're a woman now. It's kind of what you have to deal with. Um, you're an athlete, so never give up, like push through it. And so that was the mentality that I had up until I was 19, when I realized that, you know, maybe this isn't normal, and maybe I should get this checked out. And so 
I went to the doctor with my mom and they had officially diagnosed me with something called endometriosis. And it's basically a reproductive organ disorder where when you have bluntly said like your period every month, um, some of that bleeding, instead of going out of your body, those same cells will shed outside of the uterus into the pelvic cavity. So every month you have this shedding and this bleeding, but it's going inside of you and it forms these adhesions and these blood cysts that can pretty much kind of stick your organs together if it's left untreated. That's the, the worst stage um, for that. And so, of course, when the doctor told us all this, we just kind of looked at her and we, we were in denial. I was in denial. I thought, you know, like, I'm a skater. Like, this, how, I'm healthy. Like, how could I have this? You know, kind of like whatever. So mm-hmm. I was just given a pack of birth control pills. And she said, you know, this will, this will help you, you know, try it out for a month. And then if anything, just come back to me. And that was the worst thing I could have done because it just put a Band-Aid on a problem. And that made my skating way more worse. So I trusted my gut on that. And I kind of got rid of the, the medications in general. And I started to look at other options. But meanwhile, you know, I'm 19, 20 years old. And at the same time, I have to think of training. Like I have to spend four hours on the ice an hour or two off the ice working out. Like I have competitions. I have flights to other countries to compete. Like I have all this going on. Like I just didn't really give myself the time to accept what really was wrong with with my body. But every month progressively, this issue just kept getting worse and worse. And so uh, fast forward to 2017, I was extremely proactive to, you know, find a surgeon, find insurance on my own, and to really listen to my body and to trust myself and my intuition that this is something that cannot just be fixed with medication. Like, this is something that really needs my attention. And so uh, I ended up having a laparoscopy. So I had pelvic surgery where they actually went in and they cleaned out all those adhesions. Specifically, my left ovary was adhesed to my colon. And so there was significant damage done there. But I was, I had no idea other than, oh, this is really painful, but I'm just going to skate through the pain. And so that surgery actually changed my life. Like, the chronic pain went away. And on top of that, I became so much more aware of eating right and avoiding inflammatory foods and listening to my body. And I just started reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts and really prioritizing my health over whatever opinion anyone else had over it. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows your body better than you. And so I got this surgery and I decided to come back in 2017 to potentially try and qualify for the Olympics because this was the pre-Olympic season at this point. Oh, no, this was the Olympic season, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I was on fire. I was just so prepared and so in shape and I had no pain and it was just great. But slowly but surely, you know, the symptoms and everything kept creeping up month after month. They would just build up on me again. And it just came to the point where I had to choose, like, am I willing to put my health second and potentially some sort of drastic measure where I need to get another surgery or risk my fertility for lack of a better word or to need a hysterectomy or do I prioritize skating where I can live my potential Olympic dream and go to the Olympics with team Israel and kind of put my health on the back burner because then I start thinking well like I I sacrifice so much and I put so much effort into this Olympic moment and all these years of work will be justified if I just make it to the Olympics, which I had a pretty good chance um, of going with Team Israel. And one morning I just woke up and it kind of hit me. And I remember saying, like, I, I sat at the, at the edge of my bed and I said, like, I want to live a healthy life. Like, I want to be healthy. And that's what I did. I didn't, I told my mom and my dad and they were really accepting, really supportive. And I told my coach and whatever their opinion was of that was their opinion, but I didn't really tell anyone else. And I kind of just started to transition and, and think, okay, like what's next? Like what, what's my next option? Like what, what are the different avenues that I'm going to take to progress with my life? by also like, you know, staying healthy at the same time. So that's what happened towards the end of my career was ultimately I had this medical issue and I chose my health over, over everything essentially. Yeah. I think what's really important to note in that story is not only did you choose your health, but you ultimately chose your future, which Mm-hmm. is the most important thing to any human you know like forget yeah. forget athlete like any person short-term goals versus like long-term health life what kind of life are you going to be living after the olympics if you were to make that that's all so important um, any mm-hmm. competition any you know goal that you have that's a big moment that when it's done it's done. Mm -hmm. And you like, there's nothing that you can do after that. And so I think it's, it's so, so good that you decided to choose your health and choose your future. Um, And that's really what everyone should be doing and thinking if they are faced with a crazy decision like that. Right. And not always are you supposed to walk away, like people will have different options and stuff. But I always knew, I always had this inkling in the back of my mind where at the end of the day, it's just ice skating, right? Like that competition will end, like mm-hmm. the Olympics will end. And then you're just going to, the only thing you're always going to have is your health. And that's something that I was just not willing to put to the side. Um, but with that being said, you know, I have no regrets at all like stopping when I stopped and it bothered a lot of other people more than it bothered me which is kind of interesting I thought that that was really ironic um 
I had people come up to me and tell me like, oh, like, why did you give up? Or like, wow, like you could have, like all of San Diego was rooting for you. Like you could have been the one San Diegan to like go to the Olympics. And they would say this to my face, but they didn't know what I had going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they, they had no idea and it wasn't their business, but I knew that I was so content and I was just, I was so happy with what I chose that it didn't really matter to me. And that's also really important is to listen to yourself first to like, listen to your heart, I guess where people are so opinionated, especially in figure skating. And if you want to stop or if you want to keep going, that's totally up to you. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that, that I hope, I don't know, other people can, can understand is that it is just ice skating and you really have to live with, with no regrets. So I'm, I'm glad that I was able to walk away with absolutely no regrets. Yeah, you know, I think one of the really awesome aspects about you, Katya, is the fact that you are at peace with your skating career and you're proud of what you've accomplished. Um, You're not afraid to talk about it. And you're also, you know, you're not regretful. You're not bitter about what could have been. And I think that's, you know, another reason why we're great friends now. And a lot of skaters like don't continue their relationships is because of that, like, kind of innate bitterness and the reminders and all this different stuff. But it's, it's always awesome talking to you because you're not like that. And you're excited about the future and what's to come instead of constantly looking backwards. Right. Yeah. So much to look forward to. (laughs) That's the other thing. Yeah, no, that's the other thing is that you know how it goes and skating, you just get so sucked into the daily routine and it becomes a lifestyle and it becomes the only thing you know and you just get so comfortable being in that same routine every day the the waking up the practices the competitions the second practices the off ice the on ice and it just it is your life and I always knew that there was more to life than that and I think that sometimes people really lose sight of that Mm -hmm. so I'm just a gentle reminder (laughs) that there's so much more left. What was retirement like for you in that aspect of all of a sudden not having that same intense structure um, for training? Like all of a sudden you just got to Mm -hmm. live your life in a brand new way. Uh, How did you cope with that? Right. Uh, So the biggest thing in skating is that somebody always tells you what to do. Like a coach always tells you, okay, today we're going to do this, this, this. I want you to do X, Y, Z. And at the end of the day, you feel accomplished, right? Like you always try to have someone to impress or you have verbal feedback coming from a coach. And so when you stop skating, you don't have that from anyone. Like you don't don't have someone telling you exactly what steps to do in your life. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. And if you're lucky enough to have resources or people to help you, that's awesome. I didn't really have that. I had to think long and hard (laughs) of what exactly I wanted to do with my future and my career and how was I kind of going to fill that void that skating, uh, like leaving skating left me with. No, that's awesome. So now you're in nursing school, which is super impressive. Um, You're super motivated in academia. Talk about your interest in the medical field and what sparked that. 
Right. Okay. Well, the first thing that sparked it was definitely my surgery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not going to lie. You know, I've been to the ER plenty of times growing up, but this surgery was definitely a pivotal point for me where I firsthand experienced, wow, modern medicine is life changing. And I always knew that I wanted to do something uh, to be part of it. And I kind of, when I stopped skating, I kind of had a vague idea, not really, of where I wanted to go. Um, And then I just jumped into community college, tested out some classes, um, some business classes, some criminal justice classes. But eventually, I absolutely loved biology and I loved uh, like the human sciences. So I transferred and I got into California State University Stanislaus. And I ended up getting a full ride there, which I'm very grateful for. And I am just starting off my second year of nursing school. So I have about four semesters left. And after that, I plan on going to grad school. <laughs> Some more school yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm insane. Um, <laughs> and I eventually want to get my doctorates. Uh, in nurse anesthesia. So the actual title is CRNA, which means Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. So basically, you have your bachelor's in nursing, which I'm getting right now. And then you get into anesthesia school, which is a doctorate's program here in California. And once you graduate that, you become a nurse anesthetist but you have a doctor's degree. So people confuse that with anesthesiologist and nurse anesthetist. Well, they're like, well, you're a nurse. Like, do you help them? And to be honest, no, they're both at the same level because they are both a doctorate degree. The only difference with nurse anesthetist is that they have a background in nursing. So that's their bachelor degree. But as far as the actual education, the doctorate level education, it's the same as a medical doctor, anesthesiologist. So that's, that's totally my jam. That's what I want to do. That's what I see myself being as. And I just want to be that person that can facilitate like the most gloriously painless surgery ever. Like (laughs) I just want, I just want to put people to sleep and to wake them up because I remember that feeling myself and it was just unbelievable. Whoever's had surgery knows that it's just, you blink, you open your eyes and it's kind of all done. So I definitely want to be that person that gets to do that. That's a pretty important role, I'd say, in healthcare. Yeah, it's really cool that you have personal um, experience with that, influencing your passion, which, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just makes it more um, effective in a lot of ways because you have that background knowledge and you know what it feels like. And so it, it's going to make it that much more satisfying for you and satisfying for your patients. Yeah. Also it kind of, I don't know. I, you know, I stopped skating and I stopped competing, but I kind of needed to fill that void with something else. So now I just fill it with academia and you know, it's the same, it's the same adrenaline. It's the same focus that you need to have every time you take a test. It's, it's like a mini competition, right? It's nothing, nothing's really, yeah, nothing's really changed. It's just, You take the traits that you learn from skating and you transfer them to what you're doing in real life. That's how I see it. No, exactly. It's inspiring to see a skater be so motivated and dedicated to such 
hard work, you know, medical field is no joke. Um, and it's, it's really rare to see skaters do that because I feel like, you know, a lot, a lot of us just kind of get wrapped up in staying in the rank, just coaching or, um, just taking a really long time to figure out what direction you want to go. Um, and so for you to kind of have this path that you're chugging along right now is just, it's awesome. It's awesome to Thanks. see. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with coaches. I know some, ex- yeah, no, yeah, I, I have some really close friends that are nominal coaches and have awesome businesses and they absolutely love it. Um, but I was willing to completely leave the sport and to start all over, like from the very beginning, um, I could have been a coach full time and and made my, you know, six figures a year that way. But I decided to go somewhere that was a little bit more purposeful and more meaningful for me personally. But Mm -hmm. then, but that doesn't mean that like, you know, a professional skater who wants to be a coach, you know, that's like a bad thing or something. I think that's awesome. If you, if you love it and it works for you, like totally go do it. It's just something that I, didn't want to stay in personally but I still you know no yeah like I still I still coach on the side occasionally (laughs) like it's still it's still always gonna be there same with you you know you do your seminars and it's great yeah like there you never have to like fully exit and also like you said everybody kind of finds their groove finds their calling Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're gonna do the most impact in the medical field if you feel like you're gonna do the most impact as a coach working with skaters because you have that knowledge to give them cool like whatever you are thriving mm-hmm. in and so it's it's awesome to see the amount of skaters like you and I have grown up with to see what directions they go when they retire right. it's everybody's like all over the place and it's it's really really awesome to see mm-hmm. but yeah I last question do you ever miss skating competitively oh that's such a broad question it's such a heavy one <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know. I, there's different ways to answer that. So I'm just going to answer it the best way I can. I don't ever miss Mm -hmm. skating in general because I can always lace up my skates and go skate, you know, at a nearby rink. Like that's, I'm healthy enough to do that. Like I'm young enough to do that. And I I live right by a rink no matter where I go. So that I'm totally grateful for. Do I miss skating competitively? There are certain things like I miss the feeling of being completely ready and prepared and injury free and confident. Like that's something that I absolutely loved in skating. But, you know, I feel that same way when I'm working in the hospital and I feel great about, you know, giving my, my patients their medication. And I feel just as confident. I feel just as well-educated. Like it, it's weird how that transferred over to my real life. So I don't particularly miss anything. I would say that the thing I miss most are the costumes, <laughs> the sparkly <laughs> costumes. Cause like, I'm not going to be able to wear that anywhere else, you know? Um, so I'm lucky unless that we go to a music festival. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of hot though. I feel like it'd be we'd sweat a lot. <laughs> kind of toasty. Uh, true. 
It, it definitely depends on the place, but I've definitely been thinking about that. Like, how can I get creative about rewearing mm. skating costumes in yeah. normal, not not like normal, but um, non-skating events? And like the closest I got was I wore like a sparkly rhinestone skating wrap top to an Odessa uh-huh. concert once. And I want to, I want to keep that going. Maybe right. uh, Coachella yeah. next year, I'm going to be in a skating dress. We'll yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe just throw on some, some rollerblades, some roller skates, you know, just Oh, true. Yeah, just jam out like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm no, done. I I definitely miss like the the shows, the 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 bling mm-hmm. bling of the costumes and the spotlights. That's something that you're never gonna get anywhere else. So to all the skaters out there, I'm telling you right now, use that opportunity <laughs> as much as you can. <laughs> like wear all the best costumes, do as many competitions as you can because you're never going to get that same experience again once you decide to move on from skating. But um, in general, I mean, very, very positive. I I think back and I have really positive memories, especially, I mean, even when you and I were young, like Mm -hmm. not everyone even has that, (laughs) that friendship. Totally. Exactly. I'm super grateful to have, grown up competing alongside you and that our friendship has carried over to where it is now so yeah same 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 (laughs) next people will see us uh (laughs) probably at a concert in our old skating dresses (laughs) we'll take a photo and then everyone will remember the podcast episode where we talked about this we're manifesting it into the future yes okay we're creating visions positive vibes yes yeah visions Visions that will be brought to life, I assure you. Sounds good. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Katya, for coming on. That was awesome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please leave me a comment, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And please DM me if you have any requests for my podcast, any interview requests. Or if you yourself would like to come on, you have a fun skating story that you'd like to share. I'm always looking for new voices to feature, so please reach out to me. And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes I release every Tuesday, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.